0: We want to welcome all of our campuses as we come together, and we're so excited to be able to come, and uh, not only we have been worshiping at the different campuses, but now to open uh, God's word and see what he has to say for us. We're thankful. The Kenya trip got back safely. They had a great uh, time over there and a great time of ministry, and we have about 50 uh, kids, uh, teenagers, and adults in Panama right now. Uh, They left last Sunday. They have a 12-day trip there. And uh, we are thankful for what God's doing. In fact, we got a text on uh, Friday uh, from Lorraine who heads up our uh, youth ministries who said the kids performed at a youth jail and all those in the jail stood up to receive Christ uh, after they had uh, given their thing. Yeah. Uh, Those jails are tough places. I've been to uh, the jails in Panama. The youth jails are, are rough. And I'm surprised we even were able to get in there. And only God knows the heart, right? But now we, uh, Word of Life has the opportunity to go back and and work with these kids and disciple them. So let's pray for our time uh, together today and uh, pray that God would bless us. Father, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Father, for the way that you uh, teach us. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for the things that you're doing now in Panama. We're praying for those kids right now in Panama. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to bless them, continue to help them in their ministry, and bring them back to us safely, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So at the Bible Chapel, we, uh, we have three uh, uh, community partners that we work with, Washington City Mission, uh, Light of Life, and, uh, and the Pregnancy Resource Center. A few years ago, Pregnancy Resource Center uh, was taken uh, over and, and run by Human Coalition, and we have continued... Uh, to work with them, uh, but I do have an announcement that uh, it's, it's uh, one that we have been, uh, it's been gut-wrenching, quite honestly, and we've been uh, working uh, with them uh, for a long time. We've been working on this decision uh, since January, and so it's been uh, a long time of uh, a lot of meetings and a lot of prayer and uh, coming to this point. So I'm reading this on behalf of the elders, effective immediately, the Bible Chapel will suspend its financial and promotional support of Human Coalition. This unanimous decision by the Bible Chapel elders comes after much consideration and prayer. While we fully support, while we fully support the mission of Human Coalition, we can no longer support the present management practices demonstrated in Human Coalition's Pittsburgh efforts. Many from our church were employed by Human Coalition and volunteered at the local office, and they've chosen to cease their ministry and service at the local office. Our prayer is that changes will be made in the management practices of Human Coalition, and until then, we will continue to work with like-minded ministries in Pittsburgh. We want you to know, as elders, the Bible Chapel's commitment to protect and save the unborn has not wavered. And as evidence of that, we will increase our involvement with Choices Pregnancy Center here in Pittsburgh to with Grace House uh, Pregnancy Resource Center And we'll continue to search for ways to fight for the lives of the unborn. So if you have any questions about that, uh, come and see me. uh, Come and see Scott Arvey, and we'll be happy to talk with you on a personal level regarding that. Let's pray one more time before we look in God's word. Father, thank you for um, your love for us. Thank you that you would stoop down, send your son to die on a cross for our sins. And we pray, Father, that we would be those who demonstrate what it looks like to love you and serve you in every area of our life. And that's our prayer as we look at your word in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. It's an easy book to find. You just open your Bible to the middle. You're in the book of Psalms. You turn one book to the right and you are in the book of Proverbs, this inspired instruction manual for parents, for mentors, for those in every stage of life. As we wrap up the study today of Proverbs, we're gonna look at one word that I think sums up Solomon's instruction. And we're gonna focus on that word during our time today. Now, as we've said, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, but he wasn't the only wise man who ever lived. First Kings chapter 4, verse 31 has a list of wise men during that time, and as we look through history, whether it's the Ethiopians, whether it's the Babylonians, the Egyptians, they all had their wise men, and in our country, we've had our wise men as well. Benjamin Franklin, anyone ever heard of him? He had a few wise sayings, didn't he? A penny saved is what? Penny earn, you know it. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man. God helps them, that. By the way, that's not in the Bible. That was Benjamin Franklin that said that. (laughs) He who lies down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. Exactly. And here's my favorite. Three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. Many wise men in history, Solomon, the wisest of them all, and Proverbs carries this distinctives. While while many wise men were humanistic, they were focusing on themselves or people around them, Solomon always focused on God. He says in chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In, in 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge here, wisdom here. And we love the word beginning because it means capstone. That's what holds it together. The fear of the Lord, the awe and respect of God in every area of our life. That holds wisdom together. We've looked at this picture of Proverbs as we've gone through the book. For those of you who are visual learners, as I am, we've looked at the fact that the Proverbs always starts with God. And in the book of Proverbs, God is always the word LORD with all caps. And when you see in your English Bible the word LORD in all caps, it's a translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. And when you see the word LORD in all caps, that translation of the word Yahweh, think Personal relationship. The God of personal relationship. In the beginning in chapter uh, 1, verse 1 of Genesis, it was Elohim who created the heavens and the earth. This Elohim who spoke the world into existence. Elohim is the powerful creator. But then in chapter 2, verse 7, Yahweh Elohim stooped down and he breathed into man the breath of life. Now, I don't know how that happened. But in my mind, I see this body there that God had created, and God gets on his knees, and he, in essence, gives Adam mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. He breathes into man the breath of... That's Yahweh, who has a personal, intimate relationship with his creation. And it's Yahweh that Solomon is talking about in the book of Proverbs. There are two people in the book of Proverbs. This person over here is called the wicked. They are wicked because they reject God. They are their own god. They do their own thing when they want to do it on their own timing. They are their own god little g, and proverb calls them a fool. There's another person over here. We see throughout the Proverbs this person is righteous. They are righteous because they fear God. They have an awe and respect for God. And Proverbs always calls this person wise. Now, throughout the book of Proverbs, in fact, throughout all of Scripture, there's one word we've got to nail down. We have to understand it if we're going to understand who we are in Christ and how we're to live this Christian life. And it's the word righteousness. Uh, We see it all the time in Scripture righteousness and there are two parts to righteousness there's the position of righteousness and there's the practice of righteousness so let's think about those two things first of all the position so when we come to the point where we cannot save ourselves, we realize that there's nothing we can do to have a relationship with God it's all God none of us and we trust in Jesus Christ as the only one, not, not one of many ways or a good way, but the only way to have a relationship with the living God. When we get to that point and we trust in Jesus, God makes us Righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. We are made righteous by God. We cannot do that on our own. No way we can make ourselves righteous. Only God does that. And that's our position. We are made righteous. That's positional. That will never change. When we trust in Christ sincerely, When God brings us to himself, when he makes us righteous, we will always be righteous. He will always look on us and say, you are my son, you are my daughter. That will never change. Aren't you glad of that? We have assurance of that. Now, there's the position, but there's also the practice. And the practice is the daily, everyday obedience. So there's a position vertically. Practice kind of works out horizontally, doesn't it? It's the messy part. It's the challenging part. It's the relationship part. Uh, it's it's how, we, uh, how we act as a student. It's how we act as a, as a businessman or woman. It's how we act as a parent or a, or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife. It's, it's, the, it's the real life. It's the complex part of life. It's, 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 it's Christianity in real life. It's everyday wisdom, everyday life we've titled this series. You, see, you don't live the Christian life in some ivory tower surrounded by theology books. It's real life stuff. Rubber meets the road stuff. And that's what Solomon is focusing on. He's not focusing on the position of righteousness. He's focusing on the practice of righteousness. And that's why he's, he's talked to us about pride and humility. Those are things we've got to deal with. He's talked to us about resources, how we use our money. He's talked to us about what a true friend really is. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. He's talked to us about sexuality, purity in our day. We've got to talk about that. He's talked with us about anger. Emotions, words, and work. We saw last time we should be the best employee around, and we should be the best employer around. Now, today, one word that sums all that up. One word that sums all that up. It's translated with a lot of different Hebrew words. Some of the words mean firmness. Some of the words mean just. Some of the words mean righteous. Some of the words mean, mean upright. Some of the words mean evenness. But the word we're going to think about today that we see a lot in the Proverbs is a Hebrew word called tum. It's T-O-M as we transliterate it. And it means this, completeness, fullness, according to the full measure. So when you think of the word integrity, and by the way, you're going to say it all the time if you're a businessman and you read leadership books, always talking about this word, integrity. And it means whole if you look at someone's life it's not in bits and pieces it's not in parts there is a completeness to it there's a wholeness to it when I try to figure out what a word means I like to find a word that is the opposite and if we look at a word that is not integrity it's the word duplicity duplicity means this Speaking or acting in two different ways to different people concerning the same matter. Ever heard of anyone like that? The state or quality of having two elements or parts being twofold or double. Jesus had a word for this in the New Testament, didn't he? He called it a what? A hypocrite. Two lives. You say one thing to one person, then you say that on the same subject, you say something different to another person duplicity so let me give you an example so several years ago there was a guy who ran for a national office let's call him mark because that's what his name was so we'll call him mark <laughs> runs for national office and he talks about man from the very beginning of his platform i'm a believer i'm a follower of jesus christ i teach sunday school at my church I'm in a Bible study uh, at the, in Washington, and he told like, the Bible study. And he, and he ran on a platform of pro-life, and he ran on a platform of marriage, traditional marriage. And then right during his campaign, in the middle of it, it cratered his campaign, it was discovered he had been in a long-time affair with a woman from another country. And the national media, the liberal columnists, had a heyday. As you can imagine, here's what one columnist wrote. Mark is the self-righteous Bible thumper. Marco, his other side, was the unself-conscious womanizer, canoodling with his lover, throwing caution to the e-winds about their soulmate fill her tan lines and curves. Mark is the conservative railing against sinners. Marco sins liberally. Marco, or Mark rather, opposes gay marriage as a threat to traditional marriage. Marco thinks nothing of risking his own traditional marriage and celebrates transgressive relationships. Don't you hate it when you agree with the liberal columnist? Mark was an example of duplicity. A life of contradicting parts. And Proverbs is clear that if we live our life in contradicting parts, we don't do well as a believer and we don't end well as a believer. Proverbs 3, uh, 11, 3, the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. The unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Now, it may take a while. You may be getting by with it right now. You may be living the double life. Who knows today? And you may be getting by with it, and every day you get by with it, you think, eh, it's not a big deal because, you know, I'm, there are no consequences right now. I'm, I, I'm working my way through this thing. But sooner or later, the double life will catch up with you. Proverbs twenty seventeen: bread gained by deceit. It's sweet. Sweet for a while. Since fun for a season, but afterwards it's a mouthful of gravel. It always catches up with you. Proverbs 10 9, the last part of it says, He who makes his way crooked, perverted, duplicity, double life, sooner or later you're going to be found out. Not now, maybe, but later. 20, 21, 6 says this, The getting of treasures. So, you got the treasures. You got what you wanted by a lying tongue, by that life of duplicity. Again, you got it. But it's a fleeting vapor, and it is a snare of death. The death of your reputation. The death, maybe, of your business. The death of your family. The death of your position or leadership role. Sooner or later, the double life will catch up with you. So that's duplicity. Let's talk about integrity. Here's where it starts. Integrity, first thing we see that Solomon says regarding integrity, again this one word that sums everything up, integrity begins with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 14:2 Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord. Again, not a servile fear, not a fear of one in a prison waiting for the executioner to come down the hall and take them to death. Not that type of fear. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, remember Martin Luther, a filial fear, a familial fear, a family fear that you have for a parent, a mom, or a dad, and awe and respect for them as your mom and dad. You want to please them. You want to do what they're asking you to do because of this awe and respect you have for, him, for them. And that's what we should have for God, this awe and respect for God. And that's where integrity begins. Whoever walks in uprightness Fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Again, uh, integrity is wholeness. It's completeness. Let's go back and just do a little review. Fear of the Lord. Remember, wisdom starts with fear of the Lord. Knowledge starts with fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is awe and reverence for our loving Father demonstrated in a life of wisdom. Awe and reverence for our loving Father, not just coming in, singing uh, songs, But demonstrated in every day of our life, obedience for our loving Father, demonstrated in the life of wisdom. And we said that wisdom is embracing the truths of God's word and learning the skills of learning out biblical truth in everyday life. Remember, wisdom is that Hebrew word chokmah, and it was first used of the people who, who wove Aaron's uh, gown together, his robe together. They had skills in doing that, and then it was used for those who built the temple. They had skills in masonry and working with, working with wood and the carvings and all that, and then Solomon takes that word and says, wisdom is having skills for godly living, living out biblical truth in everyday life. That starts with the fear of God. Secondly, integrity provides protection. Proverbs twenty-eight, eighteen: whoever walks in integrity. And again, this word walk is a figure of speech for living your life. You're walking in integrity. You're walking in completeness. You're walking in wholeness. That person's gonna be delivered. But he who is crooked in his ways suddenly fall. When you live a, a, a double life, you always have to worry about getting caught, don't you? When you live a life of lies, you have, to, you have to think, what did I tell that person? And how do I keep that going? But when you live a life of truth, it's just the truth. You can share the truth. You don't have to worry about that. Proverbs 2, 7, God is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He protects us. He watches over us. Number three, integrity provides the life roadmap. Proverbs eleven three it says this the integrity of the upright guides them. Just like a GPS in your car. You put it in your phone, here's where I'm headed, and it guides you. And it tells you where to go. And it tells you if there's a an accident up uh, a miles ahead of you, and maybe even take another route so you can get around that accident. It's the, it's the integrity of the upright that guides them because they're walking with the Lord. They're in the word on a daily basis, not four times a week or three times a week, but daily, they're in God's word as nourishment, and it's God's word that's washing over them and guiding them. But the crookedness of the treacherous, what? Destroys them. Proverbs 16, 17. The highway of the upright. I like the way Solomon says it. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil, and whoever guards his way preserves his life. And then one more. Integrity leaves a legacy. Integrity leaves a legacy. Proverbs 27. The righteous who walks, again walks in his integrity, in wholeness, in completeness. Blessed are his children after him, exclamation mark. The righteous person, the one who has a position and the practice of righteousness, they walk in integrity, they walk in wholeness, not in bits and pieces, not saying one thing here and then another thing here, not promoting this over here, not promoting this over here. There's a wholeness about it. They believe in something and they're willing to stand for it. A wholeness. That person leaves a legacy. How blessed are their children after them. Man, don't you, don't you want to wrap this thing, this life up and have people say about you, look, they aren't perfect by any stretch. But there was a consistency. There was a wholeness in what they said, what they did, how they acted. Up front or backstage, a person of integrity. How blessed are their children after them. Okay, here's what we want to do to wrap up this series in the Proverbs. If you have your notes, I'd ask you to take them and find that uh, circle with the pie pieces in it. And we want to go through and, and think about this life of wholeness, what we've been talking about in Proverbs. So a quick review and then a, a bit of an exercise here at the end. So somewhere on your notes, if you're taking notes on this little pie chart, put the word integrity. Again, integrity is this word that means wholeness. It's putting everything together. In one of the uh, slices here, put fear of the Lord. That's where it starts. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the capstone. It's what holds it all together. That's where we have to start. On another slice, put wisdom. A verse you can use there is Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built. By wisdom, a life is built. Again, embracing the truths of God's word, learning the skills of living it out in everyday life. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. And then you can put Humility. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Humility, 16, 18, pride goes before what? Destruction, haunty spirit before fall. And then you can put here resources. Resources. How are you doing with your resources? We looked at many verses, but we looked at Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce, And then he's going to bless you. He's going to give you everything you need. Your barns are going to be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. That's not prosperity theology. God's just going to give you everything you need. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Again, we're talking about wholeness here. So there are a lot of Christians, I think the average giving is like 2.9% of their income, who love singing the songs. Just don't like writing the checks. remember where Jesus says, where your your treasure is, there your heart is also. Wholeness, integrity. Got to be put together. Relationships is the next one. We looked at that, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. We have to be walking with, as true friends, those who are walking with God. Young people, remember, you don't date those who aren't walking with God. You need to be dating a believer, someone who's walking with God. But let me tell you this not every believer at that time is walking with God. So, not just a believer but someone who truly loves the Lord, who fears the Lord, and demonstrating that in their lives. We talked about purity. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving deer, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated. There's a place in Scripture you can get drunk. Right there. Be intoxicated always in her love. Isn't that that cool? Be intoxicated by your love, with your love, for your spouse. Purity. Emotions. There we looked at anger. Proverbs 17, 27, he who has a cool spirit, he who has a Cool spirit is a man of understanding. And then we looked at words. We said um, Proverbs ten nine. The words when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 25, 11. I love this one. A word fitly spoken, a word spoken just the right time, in the right tone, in the right way. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It is priceless. And then we talked about work last time. Work. Six, six through eight. Remember what Solomon said last time? Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise without any cheap. Officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. She doesn't have to have a boss. She doesn't have to have someone always telling her what to do. In the New Testament, Paul says, don't be an eye-pleaser or a people-pleaser. Don't just work when someone's watching you because we work unto God, and he's always watching us. Whether we're a student, whether we're employed someplace, all of our work is to God. So we're not doing it for an instructor or a boss. We're doing it because God has given us this great gift of work and a way to provide or train for the future or provide for our families. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Of all, all of our campuses, at all of our campuses we have some cards at some place uh, here at the South Hills campus there at the end of your row. So just pass those down. And the worship teams, in just a second, in fact, the worship teams at the campuses can all come out. And they're going to be singing a song over us. And as they're singing that song, I want you to prayerfully determine, as we've been going through this series on Proverbs now for the last 10 weeks or so, where has God spoken to you? Maybe it was areas of anger. Maybe it was areas of purity. See, see, see. got men. Let me just talk to men a second. You can't claim, I'm a man of integrity, and be involved in pornography. It doesn't work like that. Maybe it was an area of relationships. I don't know where God's been speaking to you. I can tell you that uh, as I study for sermons, I'm... Spoken to all week as I'm studying, and, and maybe it's just a stretch of my life or, or whatever, but, but uh, man, Proverbs has been convicting as I studied through it. And so, whatever God's dealing with you, write it out on that card. And then at the campuses, we're going to ask you to take it down at a particular time and then uh, drop it uh, at the front of the church here at the South Hills and some other campuses by across, some campuses just at the front. And we don't do that. That's not some ritual we do. That's not some magical ritual. That's just saying, okay, God, I'm serious about this. I'm serious about this. And I'm, 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 I'm putting it to you. I'm submitting it to you. And I'm asking you to give me the strength I need to, to have victory in that, to wage war in this area of my life that's dragging me so let's transition hand off to the uh, the campuses and here at the South Hills campus uh, Kirk is going to lead us in that in that song that we've been singing a lot as kind of a closing song Lord I need you oh I need you every hour I need you teach my song this is my favorite part of this teach my song to rise to you when what when temptation comes my way because it's going to come when I cannot stand, because there are good times I'm going to feel bowled over by temptation. When I cannot stand, I what? I'll fall on you. Because Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Kirk's going to sing it over us. As you feel led and you write it down, go and drop that off at the cross. And then return back to your seat and we'll end the service together.